Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 16th of September 2020. I'm your host, Real Gerald Quinn, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. It's great to be with you this evening. It's starting to feel like fall. It really is. It's the you know getting to the, the late, the early, the late fifties. I know it's you know it's warmed up now, but uh, this morning a little chilly this morning. So fall is right is right around the corner. Officially, what five days away? Twenty first uh, on Monday. So we uh, are headed towards a fall season, and uh, the you know a lot between the election being less than fifty days away, and you know hopefully uh, nothing. Hopefully the corona calming down and and not getting hit with that second wave that still has to be in the, the, the back and, or, and should be in the front of, uh, of the minds of, of many of many people. And it's certainly, yeah, so it's going to be a very interesting fall to say the least, but um, we are here, of course, to discuss game seven um, Clippers, Denver, um, just is why you love sports is why, you love the NBA. You just never know what's going to happen. And in 2020, 2020 has been a year of the un- unpredictable in in terms of not sports, but in terms of life. And it was just last night um, was just something that I just I couldn't I absolutely could not believe that I was watching. And uh, I've watched sports 35 years and been watching the NBA just as long. And uh, to watch that unfold. Over the course of the last three three games, was just again something that you just you don't believe it unless you actually see it. Uh, of course, the Denver Nuggets advanced to the Western Conference Finals, their first Conference Finals appearance going back to 2009, when they had a, it was pretty as a very good team by the way. When they had you know Carmelo Anthony and Chauncey Billups and guys you know Kenya Martins and Nene Hilarios, guys like that. As they fell to the to the Los Angeles Lakers, led by of course the late great Kobe Bryant uh, in 2009 in a very tough series, six games, a very good series. Lakers won in six games. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that. I'm going to get to the listen. I'm going to get to the Denver aspect of this soon enough um, because they deserve their flowers too. Um, but this is about the Clippers. Make no mistake about it, Denver. I will absolutely give them their flowers for that performance and taking consideration and, and, and what they've done, which is historic in this postseason, coming back from back-to-back 3-1 deficits. It's something that you may not, you may never see that again. I would You you really could live another 50, 100 to 70 years and never see that again in any sport, let alone basketball. So what they've done deserves its proper recognition, and I will absolutely give that to them. This is about the Clippers. Um, the Clippers all season long pretended as they have won, as though they have won two to three championships and knew what it took to win and knew that, hey, we'll be ready for the playoffs. We will count. We will, we will uh, turn it on when it counts the most. Don't worry about us. We're good. No, no, we're good. Well, you look a little inconsistent. You know, you're losing games that you probably shouldn't lose to, and 
one week you look like the best team by far in the NBA, the other week, next week you look like an average team, you know, what's you know, what's going on? Well, you know, still trying to get guys in into the fold, uh, still trying to, you know, learn the chemistry, you know, Kawhi had to sit out a night, sat out, didn't play last night, Paul, you know, missed a couple games here and there, you know, yeah, you know, we're still, still trying to figure it out. Okay. So we get to March, and before the pandemic hit, before the NBA season was suspended, okay, Clippers went on a little, went on a hot streak and looked like a team that was favored to win the championship, or in terms of it was right there along with the Lakers being like looking like the team. And among, it was amongst the three teams that people, you know, between the Lakers, Clippers, and Milwaukee, those were the big three coming into the postseason. So the pandemic hits, you have basically four months off. So from March 11th to July 30th, have four months off. And, you know, coming back from the, coming back when they started the bubble, everybody's saying, whoa, arrested LeBron, look out. Look out, LeBron James is rested. Uh-oh. I'm saying to myself, no, look out for the Clippers. Paul George, rested. Kawhi Leonard, rested. They had knick-knack injuries throughout the course of the season, not those two in particular, but uh, some of their guys, um, they're rested. There was talks that Paul George and Kawhi was, you know, were on the same page as far as the chemistry. Look out for the Clippers. You get to the bubble, the eight-game seeding. Lakers didn't take it serious. Let's be honest, for the most part. Pushed themselves in a couple games. Maybe pushed themselves, basically pushed themselves one game. And that was the first time they played the Clippers in that opening night, that Thursday night on July 30th. Other than that, Lakers was like, eh, whatever. Clippers, that same mentality, that same mentality. Lou Williams, Lou, Lou, you know, Lemon Wings Williams. Matras Harrell. Tragically loses his grandmother. Um, so they have to navigate through some things in terms of uh, in terms of that. Completely, for the most part, didn't take the bubble, the bubble series. We'll be ready for the playoffs, though. When it counts, we will be ready for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. To a series against uh, against a Dallas team that nice team, but nice team, and we know has a generational player, but. Uh, Christoph Porzingis missed either was uh, was ejected one game and missed the first missed the second half of the game, and then you had him being missing uh, uh, some uh, some time with the, with the knee injury, and they were pushed to six games. They were pushed six games there. There. All right, all right. You know, you run into a generational player. He has a great shot. You were up three one. You find a, you know you close out game six. Not ready to, to push the panic button. Okay. Get to Denver. And you clearly are the better team. Clearly are the better team. You embarrass Denver game one. Lose game two. And then you proceed to really put your foot down in games three and four. Three, one. This is the Clippers. This is it. This is the, this is the Clippers that we've been waiting for. This is this is your championship favorites. 
this is the team that's going to, you know, it's going to give Kawhi his place in history as an iconic player, as somebody who's going to win three championships with three different teams, three finals MVPs with three different teams. And then game five happens. Up 16-point lead, second half. Paul Millsap has a relapse of youth from his Atlanta days. All right, let's just take care of it in game six. Game six, you're up 19. The Joker becomes the Joker. And now, all of a sudden, you find yourself in a game seven against a team who, over the last two years, have lived in game sevens. Like Denver, last four playoff series, every series has went to game seven. You're right in your wheel. You're right in your wheelhouse, and they're you're right in their wheelhouse. And they had no answers. And last night, even last night, twelve point lead. Um, the key the key moments of that game was the Jamal Murray twenty point quarter. That's where that game turned. But once things started going downhill, or once things started going, once Denver made his run at the end of the first half. And overcome that, overcame that seven-point deficit early in the third quarter. Clippers folded like they melted like ice cream in June. Um, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, ten for thirty-eight, four for eighteen from three-point land. From three-point land, you have a team with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, Montrose Hale, Lou Williams, Marcus Morris. Score 89 points in a game seven. Think about that. 89 points in a game seven. They had 33 points in the second half. 33 points in the second half. There was a line, again, there was a line in Remember the Titans, one of my favorite sports movies. Uh, it was a scene with uh, Wood Hazard's character, Julius Campbell, who was talking to Gary Bertier. Of course, they were the captains of the team or the leaders of the team. Bertier was a, was a captain. And without getting to get into particulars, Bertier, Campbell, what has his character says, attitude reflects leadership. That's why the Clippers lost this series. A lack of leadership cost them. And to me, in a players-driven league, it begins with your star, your superstar player, and, and, and future, soon to future Hall of Fame player, Kawhi Leonard. You know, Kawhi really has had the benefit of being with two franchises where he did not have to be a vocal leader. The Spurs had Tim Duncan, Parker Ginobili, Greg Popovich. They had won championships. They had won championships before he came along. They were well established. He kind of was. They were. He was kind of next in line to take to take that tradition of the Spurs into the future. We know what happened, so we don't have to get into what transpired and how that ended. He goes to Toronto. Toronto had some playoff mishaps, to say the least, but still were a upper echelon franchise that was well run and had you know some leaders on that team. Look at Toronto this year. Within what uh, a possession here, a, a couple of possessions from being in the Eastern Conference Finals, in a tougher Eastern Conference without Kawhi, without Kawhi. Think about that. 
and and they were frankly were, were my pick to get to the finals, even when at the beginning of the playoffs. You know, I made the wrong pick, but that team, Kawhi did not have to exude great leadership on that franchise. With in terms of that particular franchise, uh, all he had to do was play, play, play hard, play, just play well and handle his business. That is not the case with the Los Angeles Clippers. If you're Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, and listen, Kawhi was awful last night. We six for 22, 14 points, his worst playoff performance of his career in the big spot. I don't count those early years in 2012, 2000, even 2013. We we barely knew who Kawhi Leonard was. So I, I, I don't count those of that. He was still that was still Duncan's and Ginobili's and Tony Parker's teams. And Kawhi didn't become an all-NBA caliber player really until that 2014-2015 season anyway. But now, in 2020, this was his team. This was his franchise. He pulled all the strings to put all of this to get all this, put, put all of this together as far as Paul George forcing the Clippers' hand to trade all these draft picks, load management, and that culture cost the Clippers. It was culture, or lack thereof, that frankly cost the Clippers in this series. Yeah, the Clippers you know, accumulated all the assets to make those trades. Yeah, their owner is a great owner. He learned from early mistakes. You know, got some real people, real general managers, real personnel people, Lawrence Frank. Jerry West got some real people in the front office. They got, they got all these analytics people. They're considered to be one of the most well-run franchises in the league in terms of how they conduct business. Okay, all those all those things are true. But your leaders establish your culture. And, and I'll get to Doc Rivers. Kawhi Leonard. As a leader, now, if you want to know the biggest difference between LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard, it's not so much on the floor as far as uh, skill and things of that nature. Physically, it is leadership. On this team, with this franchise, with this history, Kawhi Leonard can no longer be a cyborg. He can no longer be the, the you know, the... Come to work, just do do my job, keep it moving. Uh, lead by example. No, 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 no. Can't do it with this franchise. Because it's actually, to be honest with you, it's actually harder to go from ter- to go from good to being a champion than it is to go from terrible to just being a regular playoff team. And that is the next step. In Kawhi's evolution as a player is him, is Kawhi as a leader. Jay Williams said something a couple of days ago after they lost game six, said that Kawhi's points and when he plays well does not translate, that energy does not translate towards the rest of the team. And I think he has a, a very good point with that, with that statement. I, I, I really do. Like, you're the best player. I don't want to hear from Patrick Beverly. I don't want to hear from Marcus Morris. I don't want to hear from Montrezl Harrell. 
you're Kawhi Leonard. You are you you are the straw that stirs the drink with the Clipper franchise. That team, whether he likes it or not, is going to take his lead. So if it's cool, calm, and we got it, we're good, that's, that is what they're going to take. If it's like, yo, foot in your ass, yo, y'all better get together. Or you know what? I'll trace. I'll get somebody. I'll get some of y'all traded. That's a whole nother story. Lakers know you don't perform LeBron's going to have you shipped out of there. It's just that simple. Now, you want to say, hey, LeBron has too much power. Okay. He's made some mistakes as a, as a quote, as being, he's made some player mistakes as, as far as, as, far as uh, putting, putting teams together. He has. But you know, when it's Cleveland, when it's Cleveland both times, and when it's L.A. now, L.A. now, you know whose franchise it is. And you know that team is going to be ready to play. And you know that there's going to be a level of accountability. And with the Clippers, again, the Clippers, I don't want to hear about, and I heard a lot of this last night with the Clippers in, these, in their post-game interview. Um, Denver, you know, been together longer. We... Uh, you know, this wasn't a championship of bus year, um, things of that nature. No, 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 no. This team was built to win now. See, in the NBA, things change so quickly because these guys, uh, these players' attitudes and their mindsets change like the weather. Like, a guy could be on a team that's considered to be one of the greatest teams of all time, then all of a sudden feel like he's not, you know, being doesn't get his proper respect and demand to go play with another malcontent who has proven to piss off teammates, and Kevin Durant. So he, players change their minds every day. So there, there is no five-year, seven-year, ten-year plan in the NBA. It is about winning now. Yeah, you can build for the future. Uh, you can have a plan to it. You can have a vision of what your franchise is going to look like in two to three to four to five years. But ultimately – the NBA has become NFL-like in the set in the sense that it is about this year. It's about this year. It's about winning right now. Um, so again, in regards to Kawhi, look, welcome to running your own franchise. Welcome to when you get mentioned among, when you when your name starts to get mentioned among all-time greats. You got, you know, all the praise that we were getting last year, and rightfully so, 41 points in a game seven, finals MVP, Garden Giannis, all that. You know what? There's a flip side to that coin. When you lose a series that you have no business losing, and they had zero business losing this series, you got to deal with that smoke. And he, whatever, all the smoke he's getting right now is well-deserved. There's no, there's no ways to it. He deserves, like, now again, I heard people say, well, he's still not going to get LeBron-type smoke. Well, he's not LeBron James. LeBron James is a polarizing-type figure in, in regards to, uh, LeBron James is one of the biggest athletes in the world. Kawhi Leonard is not a fraction of 
I'm not even talking about as a player, but just as a, a public figure, as a athletic figure, uh, LeBron James is a world brand. Kawhi Leonard will never reach that status as a that's just not his personality. That's just not who he is. So he's never going to get and LeBron and LeBron James. You know, you call yourself the chosen one and the self-proclaimed goat. You know, it's it's it's, it's, it's some it's going to be a lot of tension that comes with that. But make no make no mistake about it. This this loss. This lost championship here, this lost season here, is squarely on 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 the shoulders of Kawhi Leonard. There's no there's no two ways about it. Paul George, yeah, that's who Paul George is. I mean, go look at Paul George's last three postseasons in terms of decisive games. I mean, this is what he does. I, I wasn't surprised at Paul George at all hitting the side of the board and, and you know no nah, it wasn't. Paul George had uh, ten points. Yeah, I think Paul George only had ten points. I wasn't, it wasn't so shocked at all that Paul George played like that. Not in the least bit. You watch Paul George in the postseason. <laughs> I mean, please. Uh, I mean, this guy, you know, and Paul George is an All NBA caliber player, an All Star, but he's not a big game player. He's never been a big game player. Kawhi has had some. It's had, you know, this hasn't happened to Kawhi before. Like this. In this matter, 2015, he didn't play well in 2015 in Game Seven against the Clippers. But what he wasn't awful. He just didn't, you know, just wasn't great. So he was just okay in that game. He wasn't awful. But even that, you still had Duncan on that team. You still had Parker on that team. So he didn't take all the necessary heat. But from that standpoint, Ginobili was still on that team as well. 2016, when they lost to Oklahoma City, again, wasn't great in that series. Was outplayed by Durant, but he wasn't. Uh, but um. You still had the presence of those veterans that kind of offset his performance or lack thereof in that particular in that particular series. So he's had some so-so moments in big spots, but his his major moments, in particular last year and what he was doing in 2017, um, clearly outshined moments that he hadn't come up big in. But this right here, this is the defining moment. Up until this point, despite two, despite the two Finals MVPs, despite the two championships, this is the defining moment of Kawhi Leonard's career. Up until this point, like this is even more defining than him winning Finals MVP. And he's a great player. Just make no mistake about it. Kawhi Leonard is a great player, and I am a huge Kawhi Leonard fan in terms of his approach to the game, in terms of how he plays the game, in terms of, you know, night in and night out, gives you everything. But he, you know, again, he went to bed last night. And again, that, his performance is even, it doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of that performance last night versus his overall leadership ability leadership style in terms of in terms of uh, being connecting with that being with that franchise in terms of how he needs to grab that franchise by the throat as a leader and that will be the next step in his career period as far as doc rivers goes um a lot of people are on doc about rotations and about you know some x's and o's adjustments the usual shit that you hear when, when coaches lose a playoff series in the nba 
uh, you know, mantra as hell, could he have said mantra as hell, of this mantra as hell, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. Doc's biggest failure in this series was similar to Kawhi in terms of leadership. His, you know, Doc's strength is his ability to coach all-stars, coach veteran players, and connect to today's player. Doc did not connect at all to this team from a standpoint of whatever message that he was trying to convey, it did not get through. And I believe that the right message was not being conveyed to that team. I think Doc had this mentality similar to Kawhi, like, hey, when when it's time for us to really turn it on, when it's time for us to really, you know, put pedal to the metal, we'll be fine. I really believe that that was the mentality that Doc instilled instilled in that team. And, 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 and it completely, of course, we saw it completely backfired because when you haven't won anything, you there are habits that you have to build up even through a, a long and tedious regular season. There are habits that you have to build up that will be that will carry you through in the postseason. And again, part of the, you know this was a fragile team. I mean, the Clippers were a fragile. I mean, they were not. This was not from a from a mentality standpoint. They were they were miles away from being a championship team. From a, from a, from in terms of having a championship mindset. I mean, you want to win a championship, you got to be able to deal with some adversity. I mean, you, you know, you. <laughs> I, I I remember you know. Getting back to the Lakers, I, I remember 2000, which was the bit the best Laker team in the Kobe Shaq era. That 2000 team out of the five championships that uh, those guys won during that particular time period, five by Kobe, uh, three by three three by Shaq when he's with the Lakers. The 2000, the 99-2000 team was clearly their best team. They were 67-15 during the regular season. They um, they had a great point differential. They they Put pedal to the metal every game, no matter who they were playing. They went out their way to say, like, this is who we are. This is the type of team that we're going to be um, this year. Get to the playoffs. They go. They struggle. They go, they go five games with a Sacramento team that, frankly, was not that good at that time. This was not a vintage. This was not, this was not the Sacramento team that you would see two years later that almost that, that probably outplayed. No, not probably, but clearly they outplayed the Lakers. In the 2002 Western Conference Finals, we know what happened with the officials, <laughs> and the Lakers were the beneficiary were the beneficiaries of some, uh, you know, some a some suspect, to say the least, officiating. Um, but that series went five games. Uh, they almost blew a three-one series lead against Portland. They're down by 13 going into that fourth quarter on the midst of one of a historic collapse as far as the Lakers franchise, but. To Phil Jackson's credit and to the credit of the leadership that was established with those veteran players, whether it be Kobe, Shaq, not Kobe at the time, but Shaq, Brian Shaw, Robert Ory, guys who had, you know, had veteran experience. Robert Ory had championship experience. They were able to overcome um, overcome that deficit and, and get to game and win game seven, get to the finals. Even in the finals, Kobe hurts his ankle, misses a game. They still found a way, you know, to 
They had a couple of bad performances still, you know, were able to uh, get by Indiana. So the point is, if you want to be a championship team, you're going to have to go, you're going to deal with adversity over the course of a season you know, and, and in the playoffs. And this team mentally, in terms of, you know, I'm talking about the Clippers, were not built to deal with adversity. And again, that goes at the feet of Doc Rivers and, 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 and uh, Kawhi Leonard and Doc Rivers in that order. Period. And again, you know, Doc Rivers, I think Doc is a very good coach. I don't think Doc is a great coach. Um, when I think of truly all-time legendary coaches, I don't put him in that realm, in that, that category. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. He's won enough games. He has a championship in the finals a couple times. But you take Doc after Boston, his, the record is not good as far as, like, his playoff, in terms of playoff. Which, in which great coaches are gauged, he's had star players, and you know they haven't been able to get to the conference finals. He's had think about think about, think about this. Put DeAndre Jordan aside, um, Paul, you know Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Chris Paul, Paul Chris Paul, and Kawhi, Chris Paul, and uh, Blake Griffin were two of the top 10, 12 players during that time period and couldn't get to the conference finals. Not once. And when you've been on, I mean, this is the, think about this with Doc. Not only this is the this is the third time in his career that a Doc, Doc Rivers team has blown a 3-1 lead. He's had three other times where his teams have been up 3-2 and they've blown leads. 2009 against Orlando, 2010 against the Lakers, 2012 against uh, Miami. And remember, Miami did not have Chris Bosh in that series of, up until, I believe, Game 7. I mean, Bosh had a big Game 7 in that series. That that series was there for the taking for, for Boston, though it would have been a disastrous loss for Miami. That, that, of course, we know that would have broke up the heat had they lost that game, considering what that transpired in, uh, in 2011, again, the finals. So, uh, again, I don't foresee major changes from the Clippers. Maybe they don't sign Montrezl Harrell. Uh, maybe they make a go out, get a couple ancillary pieces here and there. But they they're locked into this team for next year. They're going. The, the majority of these players will probably be will probably be back. I don't see a major trade that they're going to make. I, I don't see them moving Paul George. I don't think, and I don't think Doc will get fired. By the way, as well, I don't think. I think Doc, Doc, pretty much. I don't again. Boy, I, I, if LeBron was quiet with LeBron. Doc might be out of there. To be honest with you, because you never. The thing about sports in, in any sport, you never know when your championship window is going to be up. You had told me that Golden State. That Golden State would have, you know, when they got Kevin Durant, that Golden State would only win two championships with Kevin Durant. I would be like, are you kidding me? They're going to win five, six, seven. They're going to win at least five. At least. Things change in the NBA. They change fast. 
you know, this, this, this might be the Clippers' best chance to win a championship this year. This might have been their best chance. Golden State's going to be back next year. Denver's only going to get stronger. Lakers will be good next year. The, the West, yeah, the West is getting harder. I, the West is getting, like, you have teams that are coming. You know, Portland is a move away from being a contender. So, you just never, like, you can't sit up here and say, hey, we're going to be great for the next four to five years. That's not how the NBA works. That's not how, really, that's really not how sports works anymore. As far as the uh, Denver goes, uh, give them all the credit in the world. Um, they had some. They had something that the Clippers, frankly, did not have, and that's character. Every reason to, frankly, to to quit. Uh, you're in, you've been in a bubble for like sixty days, sixty seventy days. Nobody really wants to be there. Uh, to be honest with you, teams are just gutting it through. You know, they want to win the championship. They want, but nobody really wants to be there. Um, and you know, Denver over the course of the of these playoffs has there have been times where Denver has looked like a team that didn't belong on the same floor as their opponent. I mean, that Utah series. I'm like, Utah is running them. Utah was running them off the floor. Like, there's no way to like this team is forget about competing for a championship. Like, there's no way this team's gonna win this series. And you know they, you know you get, you have two players who have completely elevated their games. Uh, Jamal Murray, um, you know Jamal Murray. I thought coming into the season, I always thought Jamal Murray was a good player, but I, it, it, knew, I never saw this coming with Jamal Murray to where he could be a play like an All Star guard and look like a a guy who can be a future All NBA caliber player, and he was tremendous last night. That. That 20-point second quarter was the difference in the game. You know, you drop 40 in an elimination game, in a game, in an elimination. he has 40 points in three separate elimination games in this postseason. You're on the court with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you drop in, and Patrick Beverly, who are all, all league caliber defensive players, and drop 40 in a game seven. I mean, that's a big-time performance. You know, as far as Jokic, you know, this guy is one of the top six or seven players in the league. There's no two ways about it. He is just outside of that top five range. He's in that six to eight category. He is a legit MVP caliber player. And you look at his postseasons over the last two years, he has been dominant in the postseason. And he, by far and away, was the best player in this series. In a series with Kawhi Leonard, yes, he was, he was by far – the best player in this series. I mean, he goes 16, 22, and 13 with three blocks in a game seven. His playoff numbers over the last two years, look at them. They, they've been spectacular. And I remember there were concerns about his weight loss coming back from, uh, you know, the pandemic and coming back from when he, um, coming back from the, from the long break. Has not been an issue. So, Denver is absolutely to be taken seriously. 
the Lakers have listen. LeBron, LeBron James knows, and again, LeBron James is smart enough to know and played in his league long enough to know that you, you don't underestimate any of the opponents, especially at this at this point in the season, Western Conference Finals. They Lakers will absolutely take Denver series. I of course you favor the Lakers, but this is not going to be an easy series. Mm-hmm. It's not because really the Lakers don't have a matchup for for Joker for uh, for Murray. They can't do some of the stuff that they were doing to Murray because you have Jokic. And I I know the Lakers want to see the series 3-1, and they've had – please dismiss anything that you saw in a regular season. It is This is a new season. The bubble is a – what have we learned in watching these games? Milwaukee, out. The Clippers, out. Toronto, out. This is a new season. It is a different season. Is a absolutely different season, so don't dismiss anything you saw in the regular season. You really have to at this point. As far as the Eastern Conference goes, um, that is going to be a knock them down, a knockout, knockdown, dragout series. That I'll be shocked if that, that series doesn't go seven. I thought last night you had. Um, Boston, of course, did not get enough get didn't get 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 enough out of Kemba or Jalen Brown. With that being said, Boston absolutely should have won that game. Um, Miami is going to die, and they're going to die hard. This is all this to it. They're a team that again we talk about culture, we talk about character. Miami Heat exude both culture and character. Um, they are never out of the game. They. Um, they have a closer in Jimmy Butler. They have guys that are, that are afraid, that are not afraid to take big shots. Um, the Bam Adebayo block was one of the great blocks that you'll ever see in a big spot in, in the playoffs. It was uh, He looked like he was about to be put on a poster, um, blocking it with the left hand and basically bending his his, 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 his hand back with the force that, that, uh, that um, Tatum was coming, coming with. I didn't like Boston's offense in the last three, three to four minutes of the game, and including the, the overtime. Way too much one-on-one with Tatum. Um, Boston's at his best when Jalen Brown is aggressive, and Jalen Brown is 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 looking to really look, is really looking to score and looking for a shot. Last night, six of fourteen. I kind of th- thought that Jalen Brown kind of took a backseat to uh, Tatum and Marcus Smart. This team is at its best when they're being led by Jalen Brown. Either or. I mean, Tatum, Brown, Brown, Tatum, Brown, Brown, Tatum. Those are their two best players, Tatum and Brown in that order. And it's really much closer than what people realize. Jalen Brown is a all-NBA caliber player. He really is. And, uh, you know, I think they can, you know, I like Marcus Smart, but uh, in order for Boston to win this series, it's going to have to be Jalen Brown is going to have to be like that co-lead, if not the lead on this, on, on, on um, moving forward in this series. I don't expect another 20, 20, 20 point game out, out of uh, Jay Crowder. So to me, that was an aberration. But, uh, you know, you might get a 20 point game out of Hero or, or Duncan Robinson. That's the thing about Milwaukee, about Miami. They have a lot of guys that can contribute. Um, 
again, I, I still like Boston in the series. I picked them in six. Maybe it goes probably probably goes seven. Uh, but I still think that those three, um, in terms of Tatum, Brown, and to a lesser extent, Kim Walker, because he hasn't played well, I think I still think those three will be enough to get Boston through. But that was a game Boston probably should have won. I want, I, want, you know, I want to give Miami more credit and say that they stole it. I, I don't, you know, I'm not gonna go. I, I don't think Miami stole it. But that, that, that's a game that if you're Boston, you probably, you, you know, you're up 14 in the second half. You have a big, uh, you have a huge third quarter, heavily going to the fourth quarter. You figure like, you know, uh, but um, you figure that you know you would be in good shape going, you know, heading down the stretch. But again, I did not like. Boston possessions, offense possessions down the stretch into overtime. Again, that's going to be a classic series. And again, the amazing thing about the Clipper Denver game was that you know, the Boston Miami game was a classic. Went to overtime, great block, had some good individual performances. The, Dem- the Los Angeles Clipper collapse actually almost made that Boston Miami game an afterthought for a game one of a conference final. <laughs> that's, that is how. Um, you know, that's how historic that uh, that, that that Clipper Denver game was. Uh, a couple notes before I let you uh, before I get out of here. Um, of course, you have the U.S. Open tomorrow, starting tomorrow. Dustin Johnson is the favorite. Uh, he's won he's won the tournament before. It's his only major a couple years ago. He's a seven to one favorite. Tiger Woods is forty five to one, which is wow. This is you know. Shows you where his, where the people where the people think his where his game is at right now. Uh, Wingfoot is a tough course. I I love the U.S. Open because it is the one tournament where I don't mind the golf course being the star. And if you remember, last time they had a uh, the tournament at Wingfoot in '06, it was one of the wildest finishes in the history of of major golf in recent memory. You had Ogilvy won. Going five over, Mickelson, Furyk, or Colin Montgomery all could have won the tournament. All could have won in the, in the on the last hole, and they all choked. <laughs> so that was it. I remember. I specifically remember that tournament, that major tournament, for just how just insane it was. Mickelson, I mean, Mickelson was was trying to win his third straight major, or something like that. He was really in a in a, in a groove, in a great groove, going uh, into that uh, particular tournament because you know he had won the Masters. In, uh, he had won the Masters in 06 of that year, and he had won uh, the PGA, I believe, in 2005. So he was headed to he was going after his third straight major. So this was this was peak Mickelson playing the best golf of his career. And this, I mean, I'm sure. And he's again, we've known Mickelson has had a lot of close finishes. He had a number of second place finishes finishes over the course of his career. I'm sure that 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 06. U.S. Open makes him sick to his stomach as far as near misses in his career. Um, the Big Ten is going to return. Big Ten football is going to return August, not August, excuse me, October 24th. It, this is the bottom line. So the Big Ten six weeks ago basically says, you know, you can't play. It's not safe. We don't have the necessary contact tracing and testing and medically it's not feasible right now. And, and magically, in six weeks, now we've made medical advancements. 
uh, it's feasible, you know, it's everything, you know, we, we feel confident about how safe it is to play. The bottom line is, listen, they, they folded under pressure. They folded like cheap suits under pressure between the, with the parents and the players and and with in terms of chasing every single dollar imaginable. Remember, remember this about the Big Ten. The Big Ten is the most profitable conference in uh, in college football. The Big Ten has its own network. Okay, the Big Ten Network. They were not going to walk away from. They just wasn't walk, were not not going to walk away from that money, from the from the idea of of, of all that of, of all of that revenue. It just wasn't going to happen. It just goes to show you that ultimately, you know, ultimately people just not get, just people don't give a shit about these players, and even the parents. I, like, if you know, you got parents who probably want they who want some of their players who think that if they play, that they'll this will increase their their um some of their their their, ch- their child's um, chances of, of you know of going pro or getting to a pro or 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 just or get going pro or they just flat out flat out don't believe you know we, we see this around the country where you got people you got segments of the country that don't believe corona is real you still have those people out there that don't believe that the coronavirus is is real and don't you know or or don't take it serious so i'm not surprised by this um i expect to see um the pac-12 is gonna be difficult with the pac-12 because they're under so many different regulations with the state of california and a lot of their conferences in the state of California, so I don't think the Pac-12 was coming will be coming back uh, in the fall. It, but I'm frank at this point, it would not shock me. Wouldn't shock me. I still don't think we we will finish football, uh, NCAA or the NFL uh, with if if the projections of this second wave are 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 are, in, are anywhere close to being accurate. I still don't think football will get finished. Um, in on on both levels, but you know, I could def I could definitely be wrong. Um, pr- trying to predict twenty twenty. Good luck with trying to predict twenty twenty. It you know, this has been one of the most the most unpredictable years in recent memory. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen? But I'm not surprised by this by any stretch of the imagination that the Big Ten would, um, went this route. Uh, all NBA teams came out. No surprises. No major surprises. Um. LeBron makes his record 16th appearance. He extends his own record with 13 straight first-team appearances. Uh, Luca, Harden, Giannis, Anthony Davis round out to the the, the uh, first first team. Um, again, no surprises whatsoever. Um, ben Simmons, first time he gets on he gets on here. Uh, he made the All NBA third team. You um, saw Westbrook was third team. Chris Paul was second team. Uh, Kawhi was second team. Um, so, you know, I would have had, now Siakam was second team. I would have had Tatum, and Tatum was third team. I would have had, I would have flipped places with those two. And I'm not even talking just beyond the, forget about this playoffs and the seeding, the seeding games did not count. I mean, I'm I'm talking about even just strictly on regular season. I think I probably would have had Tatum over Siakam, but that's, you know, second team and third team, it's not, you know, it's not big. It's not like going from first team to third team, something like that. So that's that's not true, really a big deal per se. So nothing surprising as far as the All NBA teams. Again, Giannis, I expect that Giannis will be named MVP 
next week. That is, I, I want to say that is the final award uh, for the NBA awards. So of course, we, because of the pandemic and the late start to the season or extension of the season, will not have their normal uh, end of the year awards. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I will see you next time. I'm out.